Hey guys, this is our fourth video out of four, and we're talking about the immune system. So we've talked about how the gut affects your immune system. We've talked about how you are suppressing your immune system. Then we talked about ways to boost the immune system. And then last but not least, in this post-COVID world or, or peri-COVID world, we're, we're the, we want to talk about what are the differences between COVID and maybe some of the other viruses and, and, and specifically immune system and COVID. Mm -hmm. So one of the first questions that people always ask is, do I have COVID? Right. right? And so the unfortunate part about COVID is that COVID has a lot of overlap symptoms with every other virus on the face of this planet, right? It can cause diarrhea, it can cause shortness of breath, it can cause coughing, runny nose, fevers, chills, anything and everything. So you can't really rely on those symptoms. The number one symptom that you can rely on is that if you lose smell or taste, it is pretty much proven that you have COVID. Right. So the, the big fear, of course, is if you have COVID, are you gonna be that person that, that gets sicker? And as we talked about in our last video, we've got our COVID action plan. So if you wanna download the COVID action plan, go to our website, check the link in the description, go to our COVID website, sign up on the form, and it will send you our COVID action plan as far as what supplements to take, what food, um, food to eat and follow. Yeah. Um, but the number one thing in this COVID world is now that testing is readily available, almost everyone should have access to testing at some point. Um, is that if you're worried you have COVID, then you gotta go get the test. And there's multiple different tests that you can do. So the, the rapid test is of course the, the best one because you find out your answer in 15 minutes. So easy. Yes, and it's not pleasant, it is an in the nose swab. Um, but the testing methods are pretty good. They're, in general, almost all the tests that I've seen are at least 80% sensitive, which means there's still a 20% chance that you could have it and miss it, but 80% is a pretty darn good. What, what point do you want them to test? So it really, if the, you really don't want to test like the first few hours you get something because gosh, maybe you ate a bad food or woke up on the wrong side of the bed or something. So yeah. in general, I'd kind of give it a good 12, 24 hours before you went and get tested. Because the other thing is you need to have enough viral particles inside of your sinuses in order for you to flip the test positive. So they need to have symptoms for, for probably at least 12 to 24 hours. To That's test. what I would okay. aim for, okay. just to make sure it's not just some sort of allergic reaction to ragweed or mold or and something. And we've seen that. Yeah, we have. People we've seen it a lot. People thought that they were, you know, they had COVID and there was just bad allergies outside. Right, because once again, there, there's a lot of overlap. Right. Um, and even if you are negative, if you continue to get sicker or lose taste or smell, then, then you need to be tested. And of course, even if you don't get tested in those first 12 to 24 hours, it's important to at least quarantine yourself if you're ever concerned. And we follow this rule in our office ourselves is yeah. if anyone is sick, you just stay home until you figure out whether it is COVID or not. Um, even though we all do wear masks, we're in a kind of a quarantine circle, so we don't yeah. wear masks now. But um, so the, the, there's not really many specific symptoms and just because you have shortness of breath or something doesn't mean it's COVID. In fact, the flu virus loves to cause shortness of breath as well. Yeah, what's the difference, or sorry, that, that you mainly see between having the flu and COVID? Because the other day, I didn't know I was exposed to family and you know we were all supposed to be quarantined, but you never know, right? Mm -hmm. We still do a good job. But I woke up and I had a little bit of like asthmatic breathing, but I was having mucus when I coughed, a little TMI, but I also had a runny nose and I was sneezing a lot. And I was confused of, is this going towards COVID? Is this a cold or a flu? So. Yeah, so COVID's kind of funny. The only thing, the, the big differentiation, because you can't really tell, shortness of breath is yeah. shortness of breath right. to you, right? The sneezing doesn't really fit COVID, though you can have sneezing, of course. 
because um, it does anything. But really the shortness of breath with COVID is really different. It's almost always associated with an oxygen drop. And usually in the flu world, in the asthma world, you can deal with someone that's ha having a terrible asthma flare and rarely does their oxygen drop. Mm -hmm. So COVID is this weird phenomenon. It, it loves to drop that, that oxygen saturation. So if you have one of those oxygen meters, if you don't, um, there's tons on Amazon. Everyone should kind of have one at this point because if that oxygen level is dropping. If you're below 95, then your risk of it being potentially COVID is higher. Um, but of course, the, the test, uh, the COVID test is ultimately the way to find out. But yeah, if, you're, if your oxygen level is high and you're short of breath, it's more likely something allergic going on. It's more likely something kind of flu-based mm -hmm. in your lungs because the flu loves to trigger asthmatic patients. Mm -hmm. But so does mold in the air and, and exactly. ragweed. Allergies love to do the same thing, increase mucus. Right, think about your health state, right? So I was exposed in a moldy home and then had asthmatic breathing with those symptoms too. So you have to think about what is your current health state? What are your triggers? Did you be, were you exposed to an environment that you know could perpetuate those symptoms and yeah. kind of be rational about it? Nebulizers so, or the albuterol inhalers, any kind of inhaler, that can be another thing that can help you differentiate between COVID, allergies, and flu, um, or really just COVID and all the others, basically, because COVID doesn't really respond to nebulizers. I know they do them in the hospitals frequently when people are sick because you're doing everything you can. But in general, if you do a nebulizer and feel better, it's probably not related to COVID. And the main reason why is because COVID really infects around the lungs, the tissue of the lungs. You have to realize that air comes into the lungs and then you have to absorb that air and then you breathe out the, the toxic byproducts of the air from your, from your body, right? And so COVID actually infects inside the lungs where that air diffuses into the lungs. It doesn't affect air coming into the lungs. So almost every other condition that, that you will deal with, asthma and allergies and, and uh, flu, whatnot, those are all restrictive uh, or obstructive diseases, what we call them. And what that means is you're, you're, you're actually struggling to get air out. Uh, most people think of it as you're struggling to get air in, but it's the same thing. If you can't get air out, you can't get air in. You can't, otherwise you just explode. Right? Oh, great. <laughs> One of the two, or implode, Yay. however you want to look at it. So basically in asthma and allergies and all the other things non-COVID, you will struggle with getting air in. You will have like a bronchitis type cough. You'll have a mucus like cough. Um, you will be short of breath, but you're struggling to get air out, struggling to get air in. Whereas COVID, your lungs are just kind of shrinking because there's fluid inside the lungs, inside the tissue, squeezing the spaces down. You're still able to get the air in. It's just not getting down to the microscopic level where you can't really feel it. So that's the big difference. And that's the danger zone. By the time you've entered that level of lung swelling, you've already been encountering the cytokine storm. And I don't wanna say it's too late. Of course, start whatever anti-inflammatory supplements you can and anti-inflammatory foods to try to blunt that response. But the whole point of the COVID action plan and eating this way and taking care of your body is because you wanna prevent that cytokine storm from ever happening because it's a feed forward cycle. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. As the cytokines get released, they activate more immune cells and they say, well, it's like a bar fight that you see in a movie, right? One person throws a punch and then all of a sudden everyone's fighting. You're like, why is that dude even participating? Like he was just sitting at the bar chilling. He's not part of the gang, but the whole bar is up in arms, right? Even the bartender jumps in and starts fighting. So that's the same idea with the cytokine <laughs> storm is it's activating all its buddies and it's a feed forward cycle that just ends in death, unfortunately. So anything you can do to blunt and control and prevent confusion, we talked a lot about immune confusion in our last videos. So anything you can do to slow down immune confusion settles down the cytokine storm. Great. 
So there's a couple tests that I want to differentiate real quick. I've done a, sep a whole separate video on COVID testing. So look up that video if you want to know more. But there's two different rapid tests, and it's important to understand the difference. The best rapid test is the rapid swab. And we, we have the rapid swab. There's other places that have the rapid swab. A lot of times it's not covered by insurance. Yeah. The send out swab to like Quest or CPL, that's usually covered by insurance. But it can take days. We, we've had to wait up to two weeks for a test before, especially if there's a <laughs> spike in your area. Yeah but the rapid test is always 15 to 20 minutes. But there's a rapid blood test, and the rapid blood test is good, and we, we have the rapid blood test too, it's cheaper, but it only determines after you've had symptoms for a minimum of three days, but even still you can have a false negative even at three days. So the important test you're looking for is the rapid swab, the one in the nose. If you've been sick for at least three days, then you can do the rapid blood test, and that will tell you whether you have antibodies to COVID or not. Um, both are effective, but the, the swab is considered better. And then, of course, both of those have send-out versions to Quest and CPL that are usually yeah. covered by insurance. I like the swabs because I feel like you can also buy them and do them yourself if you have to. Necessarily, obviously, a practitioner should most likely do it. But if you're about to go home with your family and you don't know if they've actually been out and if they're feeling a little under weather, take a few of those swabs with you and make everyone just test real quick. Maybe do it for them, I don't know. I did it myself, but I also work in a medical practice, right. so I know how far to go. Um, but sometimes it's nice to do it preventatively, being like, are we all okay right now? Is this a safe measure to be together, especially if the holidays are coming up and you're really nervous and you only see your mom once a year and you really wanna see them, or if you're with your partner and you guys have special plans. So I think sometimes that's a good idea too. It's not the best way of doing it, but I think if you're wanting that extra measure, you could do that too. Yeah, and you, you, it's, it's kind of looked at like, oh, you got COVID, like you did something wrong. Like it's spread throughout the community. If you never know who's gonna have it, if you're gonna be the next one to get it. So we all have to do our part in, in right. kind of slowing the spread. Uh, ultimately, there's still no vaccine, and I'm gonna do a video on flu vaccine and whether you should get that or not, because that's a, a controversial topic that I at least wanna address. I normally stay away from the vaccine thing, so we'll see how much flack I get for that. Yeah. It'll be fun. So I guess the, the main thing is that if, you know, if you have a typical cold and flu, you're thinking of that bronchi bronchial cough, I guess. Mm -hmm. That mucus. barking, <laughs> we've all done it, you know, <laughs> I know it, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's ugly. It is. The mucus, the sneezing, more of the runny nose, things like that. Non-COVID. Right. And then COVID, most, I mean, you can have some of those, but it's gonna be that constantly low oxygen, that constant struggle to breathe, and almost just feeling like you got hit by a truck. And the loss of smell and taste, yeah, that loss is of smell unique and, and doesn't happen to everyone, yeah. of course. But it, when it does happen, it's definitive. Right. And you have to think of, are you fully blocked and you can't smell like with a cold, right? Then obviously, right, if, if you are your sinuses are blocked and you can't even take a breath because you're running your nose so much, you're not going to be able to smell as good, right? right? Or are your sinuses a little bit clear and you're still like, I can have a good breath in, but I can't smell right now. Yeah. I think that's a good differentiation too. I guess one last plug is I have designed an infusion protocol for COVID specifically. Yeah. Um, and the idea is a lot of these things we've been talking about as far as the vitamin and supplement world, I've designed an infusion protocol that's designed to blunt that cytokine storm so it doesn't happen. But once again, just like I talked about earlier, if you wait until you're in the cytokine storm, it's not necessarily a too late thing, but it's concerning that you might've waited too long. So it may sometimes feel like a waste, like, oh, I did those COVID infusions and I didn't really need them. But you don't know. If you prevent a heart attack, you never know that you prevented that heart attack, right? If you prevent going to the hospital, you don't know that. So 
I, I, I don't want people to be overly aggressive, but I also don't want you to be um, overly optimistic and then end up in the hospital because it's a bad situation once you're in the hospital. It's a dangerous place and the mortality rate is high for going in the hospital. Right. Um, I think that if you're going to sit there and be like, I've spent this, and it's not an expensive infusion protocol. It's not. You think you were going to spend more time in the hospital away from work? Shoot, one day in the hospital. One day in the hospital, right? Trust me. I mean, I loved it. I've done it. Patients have done it. The second where you go, oh my gosh, I was exposed to someone with COVID, or I'm feeling a little under the weather. I'm hitting that line of, is this COVID or not? Do it, because regardless, you're going to boost your immune system. You're going to help with detoxification. You're going to get more vitamins and minerals to your body that you need. So there's no negative of doing the infusions may just be a nice little health reset too. So right. err on the side of caution, come and get them if you need to. We don't like to push, but we'd rather say, hey, come get an infusion or end up in the hospital. We would rather t be safe than sorry. Agreed. So. so with that plug, we'll end this video. Okay. Like our channel, subscribe to it, hit the little bell so that you get alerts and um, leave a comment, ask us a question. We'll try to answer it. Okay, bye guys. Bye.